ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਅਮਰਜੀਤ ਹਵਾਈ ਆ ਯੈਸ ਆਈ ਕੈਨ ਹੀਅਰ ਯੂ ਜਸਟ ਟਰਨਿੰਗ ਅਪ ਦਾ ਵੋਲਿਊਮ ਹੀਅਰ ਔਨ ਮਾਈ ਸਾਈਡ ਟੂ ਗੈਟ ਅ ਬਿਟ ਮੋਰ ਆਫ ਅ ਹਾਇਰ ਯੈਸ ਆਈ ਕੈਨ ਹੀਅਰ ਯੂ ਕੈਨ ਯੂ ਹੀਅਰ ਮੀ ਲਾਊਡ ਐਂਡ ਕਲੀਅਰ ਯੈਪ ਯੈਪ ਲਾਊਡ ਐਂਡ ਕਲੀਅਰ ਲਾਊਡ ਐਂਡ ਕਲੀਅਰ ਅ welcome back sir so we have sardar inderjeet singh with us again who did the guru teg bahad their episode with us lately and uh, as an update audrey trashki did block us she refused to engage even on polite terms they abhijit great to be back with you and i think i our episode of guru teg bahad sabs martyrdom uh hit the right corners hit the right uh tunes i mean it was based on contemporary records which unfortunately uh, audrey hadn't come through probably it, it, it was a for somebody who's a university professor it was a very lame exercise what she did anyway i think it's more agenda based uh, especially given her um i believe she has affiliations with the democrat party so you can see they're playing up the mythology of islamophobia and you know professional victimhood all, all around so she's just trying to make a quick buck on there and sadly that's the state of the global academia today especially in the west they sell out for political agendas yeah i mean that is a that is a big problem rather than being true to the history true to the fact true to the profession they are they are ready to bend the facts to suit their political philosophy or agenda hmm whoever sent power they're just uh, currying favor with them and unfortunately the danger with that is that minorities like the sikhs have to be you know quite uh, proactive in uh, you know refuting her lies what is particularly galling is that many sikhs actually believe she's a viable ally in terms of you know the hindutva crusade in india and modi and i mean that doesn't specifically involve sikhs as much as it does others but our people have a habit of interfering in affairs which never get them any good results and uh, secondly ask some of these sikhs who support her i won't name any names but they're pretty prominent that why are you guys doing this and before blocking me because they sort of thought i would become problematic in the future they just told me that hey we're just uh, making allies here for the future i mean what sort of a ally is audrey who's literally calling guru teg bahadur a criminal and deserving of his fate she she's not an ally she or i mean I will slightly digress if you go for back in 1984 when Harmandir Sahib was attacked on Guru Arjan Dev Ji's martyrdom day and many large number of innocent Sikhs who just were there to pay their respects to the fifth padshah got killed there within both Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha they were about 40 to 50 muslim and christian mps not a single one of them spoke about the tragedy but they were the ones who congratulated the congress government for saving india so what allies are we talking about how when have they supported us 
So we should be giving issue-based support rather than in, rather than getting into this bubble of, oh, we have allies and they will help us or we can form a, a group, pressure group. No, there is no such thing. The best thing is we are not totally aligned with any radical ideology, be it Islamic or be it Hindutva. So let's stick with facts. Let's stick with Gurbani. Let's stick with issue-based support. And I think that will serve us better. Definitely. I mean, adding to that 84 finger, um, one of the biggest, uh, you can say, comparisons that people are making in the past few years is that if there is a separate Sikh state, it will be like Israel. So, you know, the same political policies, nuances, etc., now, the funny thing is that many organizations, uh, particularly dedicated to Khalistan, who don't like, who haven't produced any viable results except, you know, pretty much just taking the Sangat's money and God knows what they're doing with it, they uphold the banner of Palestine that, you know, we should be supporting Palestine. They're oppressed like us and they compare Israel to India. The comparison originates with the fact that Israel as a country, was approached by India as a country to train its special forces for, you know, Operation Blue Star. That is what we are told. And it is argued that the Palestinians confront the same military deprivations as the Sikhs did. What's funny is that these organizations are well aware that Yasser Arafat and even Hamas and other Palestinian organizations, irrespective of their own fights, they actually congratulated uh, Indra Gandhi on, you know, curbing the Sikh infidels. They were very happy about Blue Star as well. So you can see the hypocrisy down here that you're going to uh, go after one side but try ignoring the other because you believe it's some sort of an ally for you. I totally agree with you. We are very poor in studying history, but we have absolutely no clue about world history. So there is some ignorance about our own history, but we are absolutely clueless, absolutely clueless about even the recent world history. I mean, if I can quickly, I got phone calls when six in Afghanistan, in Kabul, in the Gurdwara Sahib, Guru Harrai Sahib Gurdwara were attacked. So I got phone calls. Oh, Indian government is doing it. And <laughs> I said to them, I said to them, well, I hope you don't, uh, I don't know if you realize that the Hazara Shia community, which can easily be identified because of their small eyes and those Central Asian features, they have been killed for the last 15 years just because they happen to be Shia. And this guy was shocked. He said, well, it's not reported in Indian, Indian media. I said, Indian media doesn't report anything outside India. So, so is that also being done by the Indian government? And the penny dropped. And then the other thing he said to me, why are Sikh being targeted? Why not Hindus? I said, okay, but first of all, you don't know that the Hindus are only handful number of Hindus at that point in the country were 20 or 30. 
and even those were like like nanak panthi hindus like sindhis and another interesting thing for your audience i will tell you the the sikh gurdwaras have a name plate big name plate because sikh identity you, you can't hide your identity if you are turban sikh you will be recognized in thousands so there's no point of right. not identifying right. your own gurdwara however the hindu temples the two temples which only have a priest now there's no num- name you can't even find it you need to know where it is when you knock it even there there is no name plate and the hindu temples are not like the temples in india with shikaras and roofs and everything they are very unconspicuous so traditionally of the persecution they have developed this thing that they their the temples in kabul are camouflaged kind of thing so they make sure that their videos are not posted so we are comparing apple and oranges so i think my point is hate makes a person blind and that's what is happening with us and we should not ignore the plight of sikhs outside punjab or greater punjab especially in our neighboring countries pakistan afghanistan and to and those countries right and i'd like to add something to that as well as that um recently i believe a sikh was shot dead in peshawar am i right yes there were two attacks on two successive days in the first attack tarlok singh was injured he survived and then the next day a gentleman called manmohan singh on the 24th of june <coughs> was killed so this happened in in the same bazaar in peshawar where traditionally sikh have been living for centuries these are those sikhs who basically migrated from the the fata region the fata is was as it used to be called at that time was federally federal administrative uh territory agency kind of thing so they were living in those isolated areas so when taliban came over or some of them prior in the 1950s they left those regions and came over in peshawar and subsequently i, I think in 1950s probably one or two families may have come but it was probably in 1970s they came so these people have never le- left that old frontier province or uh, that region of pakistan ever since they became sikhs so it's it's very tragic we in the last 18 months there have been five attacks and four people four sikhs have been killed so for a very small minority that's a huge number and uh, and we are not, we are not talking about it that's the sad part of it because when i saw this um come out on facebook there was a comment underneath from a singer i won't mention his name pretty prominent kirtani in india 
and the exact comment was agencies are the gamma right indian agencies did this and i asked him a question underneath and he blocked me <laughs> typically <laughs> and the question was that why so if you know these are agencies right you know there's a pattern here why don't you warn these people before it happens that this is going to happen absolutely it's a very good point okay let me tell you some other thing right the sikhs in peshawar are being targeted because they happen to be a sikh there is a fundamentalist element the same element daesh or isis they claim the murder of these two people right sorry right. one was the attack on one and the killing of the other so they claimed it this agency have been killing non sunni muslims for the last 15 years so why would six be any different from them so they have been killing shias prominently they have been killing anybody who is a non sunni muslim because they don't believe in dialogue they don't believe in converting it is in their own fundamentalist interpretation of islam so the comment made by that gentleman is very uh naive in the last 10 years since 2010 so the last 13 years 14 people have been killed 14 six have been killed in those uh in the frontier province and that province has a problem of fundamentalism right and the second thing i would like to share is i again will not name names but uh one of these things who was a militant in the 80s right um those who would know he actually managed to escape to a european country and later the uh, government of india tracked him down this thing stayed there for a near decade and uh, i believe he gained his citizenship in that country but they refused to allow his family to come over because of some issues uh, he really hasn't shared what these issues are in the public domain and i have no interest whatsoever in pursuing those issues further and he returned to india and now he's a politician now how effective of a politician he is as you can guess from the fact that the party never gets enough votes to even establish one seat but as a historic resource he's quite valid especially if you want to study the sikh history of the past 50 years and he confirmed something i had heard a long time ago that in pakistan when these kargus went over there to fight some of them actually managed to go outside and see how you know sikhs and sindhis were being treated there and the sindhi hindu community a majority of their leaders at the time expressed a desire that if there is a khalistan tomorrow we want to be a part of it right we want to stay under khalsa raj and i think uh, indrajit singh you will agree with one assessment here is that you know obviously in pakistan and the more urban areas because i have friends from there who are only muslim in name they tell me that their families will kill them if they realize they're atheists i'm not sure how valid that assessment is but if their juts 
they're going to have more sympathy for Jats, irrespective of what the religion is. There is the tribal connection in some of them. Am I right? To some extent. To some extent, there is a little bit of tendency, but I would use that with a caution because in 1984, there were few incidents where Hindu Jats killed Sikhs. So basically, yep. Yep. It, we, we, we can call it exception, but post farmers agitation, there is a lot of uh, Jat, Jat brotherhood. And plus, I think people are realizing, and to, to some extent, the intellectual in Pakistan, uh, Punjab, the, the Muslim Jat, they also try to talk about nationalism, brotherhood, which is fine. But it is still to be seen that in the ground reality, how it transpires, because I'm slightly digressing in Haryana, during the, during the agitation, farmer agitation, not a single non-JART leader supported the agitation. In fact, the, the, BGP, the JART leaders in BJP did not supported the farmer agitation, unlike in Punjab, where almost all Sikhs, and to some extent, some Hindus as well, supported the farmer agitation. So you see, <laughs> the dynamics here is different. Among the majority community, even if they are in Punjab, in Pakistan Punjab, or in India, the, they have they have their superficial or they have their own divisions within Sikhs because when they become a minority and it's a national issue, we tend to stick together. And this happens with all minorities. I think we need to understand that how a small minorities live in a, in a different country and how a minority, although Sikhs are a major minority, but they are majority in Punjab, so the dynamics of Sikh unity in Punjab is very similar to what Hindu unity is in throughout India. So very weak, I would say. It's weak. So so I, I don't think we, we, we really understand that divisions that, that in Afghanistan, Hindus and Sikhs were very close because for the majority community, both were kafir. Right. The majority right. Community, both of them were Kafir. So you there was and they were called Hindi people. Hindi means Indians. So when you push to the corner, they had to align themselves together. And one and to be fair, if I scratch the service, both were Khatri Rodas. So there was more commonality. Similarly, in now interestingly, in Pakistan, there has been in Pakistan one and a half percent. They are one and a half percent Hindus and one and a half percent Christians. So all total minorities are three and a half percent. There has been a, a, a consensus among the minority leaders that we need to stick together. So there's a lot of conferences, a lot of gatherings where Hindu, Sikh, Christian, <coughs> Kalash, and all, this, this, okay, all these small communities minorities, they're coming under one forum. 
we that is that can that is not happening in india because the dynamics are different you have 15% muslim and then you have 3% or 3.5% christian and 2% sikhs so there is no and india is so huge so so there's i think we need to one size does not fit all i will finish at that one size does not fit all we need we should not and coming back to the point the the topic of discussion we should not ignore the plight of sikhs living up out uh, the killing in uh, peshawar last month also one sikh youngster from sikhligar community in maharashtra was beaten by a crowd led by somebody called mohammad akram patel oh yes i remember that they were trying to say that um mohammad was added in by the indian agencies but his real name is akram patel he's like they made up this fake story about him being a bjp minister or something no he he he, he was a sarpanch and he was a muslim now what for your for your listeners let me tell you what happened our people did not took that issue simply because of the so called paichara which is very sad and we will talk about that paichara as well but the the hindutva forces they took it made a big issue out of it then the police had to give give a statement that that the people who have been arrested are a mixture of muslims and hindus so don't give a communal color so we sikhs somehow every time or every other time we get squeezed between two bigger communities we can't be aligning with any of them we can give issue based support so once the it became clear that there are three three hindus and four muslim or something like that have been arrested in the killing of that youngster the, the still there was no response from the sikh community on the social media so i don't know why we keep on ignoring the plight of our again as i would say six outside punjab definitely and as i was saying that the uh, you know karku turned politician told me is that when some of their uh, pakistani hosts or you know he called them captors took them outside and they saw the plight of the sikhs uh, they had this okay okay good so, so sorry i remember i remember that so sorry yep. let, let me come back to do so something which was told to me by a kandhari hindu so the right. afghan hindu who used to live in kandhar and he said in 1950s probably 1950s he went to pakistan and he said mm. he realized that hindus were living in some sort of fear in pakistan and this is 1950 not years 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 and years before ziaul haq came ziaul haq came in 77 78 so and he said they had muslim sounding names and i said how did you came to this discussion he said sorry this conclusion he said well i had to knock on the mandir they won't let me in <laughs> i had to tell my name until unless until i gave them 
enough evidence that I'm a Hindu, like I told about the Hindu religion, they won't let me enter the mandir. And so, and they all had Muslim sounding names. So, so they had names which are Hindu names, but for the general public, they had Muslim sounding names. And he said this was a sharp contrast to what in Kandahar, because in Kandahar, I used to wear at that in, in 50s, everybody used to wear turban. So I used to wear a turban and put the tilak on my, uh, on my forehead. So when I was walking on this road or street, everybody knew I was Hindu and there was no problem. And this is Afghanistan in 1950s. So, and he, so what he's, what, what he told me is very much the same similar to what you are telling me, but also in, by 1984, the fundamentalism interpretation of Islam or the rigid regime of Ziaulak had already been in power for many years now. So what you have been told is definitely correct. Is definitely correct. And if I asked anybody from a Pakistan, and they say they're the same thing. Yes, we, we Pakistan and Afghani, Afghanistan both are great hosts. If you go as a guest, they will treat you extraordinarily well. But it's a different problem altogether when you are living over there because even say, for example, 10% of them are fundamentalist, extremist. They can make your life very difficult. Obviously. And do you think, like, I mean, Arab people, when they support Pahichara, become so stupid. And this is what I say. Those countries need to rely on Sikh dollars coming in to actually progress themselves. Now, here what happened in New Zealand was when the Pakistani floods came, some of the Gurdwaras here uh, collected a large amount of money from the Sikh Sangat to send to Pakistan. And I asked one of the Pakistani leaders here because one of the uh, Shia leaders here told me to ask them whether that money was going to help the Sikhs there or not. Straight away, I got blocked. They just didn't want to answer that question. And during that same period, there were several incidents of Sikh guilds being abducted and forcefully converted to Islam down there. So it's amazing to me how those people are always quiet about it and begging for Sikh aid. And Sikhs are providing that aid, not realizing that if they were to cut off that flow of money, then at least they might be able to ensure some sort of impartial treatment of their brethren on that side. Now, as this Kargu was telling me, Basically, what happened was wherever they went, all the Hindus they met in Pakistan supported their cause and wanted to be with them. And uh, maybe this was as a joke or a prank, or maybe they were deadly serious. Several of these group Chathedars got together and created a map of what a Sikh state would look like, incorporating Lahore and Pakistani Sindh. The uh, military host in question found this map, and this was actually conveyed to Benazir Bhutto, <laughs> finally got ISI involved, and ISI conveyed all this information to uh, KPS Gill. And as the Kargu was telling me, and this is actually written in Sangat Singh's book, even Gill has confirmed it himself in his memoirs. Basically, all this information, all the Kargus who got killed while crossing the border, all this happened because Pakistan was informing Ro on this side about you know, who they were and how they came and went. So he was telling me that if someone says agencia gets six killed on that side, tell them, well, boyfriend agencies got six killed. Why are you only seeing one? 
Okay. Uh, just for the listeners, I can I can confirm that the Hindus in Pakistan, ninety three percent of the all Hindus in Pakistan live in Sindh. So there's small pockets in in Balochistan as well, and a small pocket in frontier as well. They all have a huge Sikh overlap. So they they have they would read Jabji Sab, Sukhmani Sab. They would go to Gurdwara, and some of them will also go to the Mandir as well. <coughs> so the, there's a I think the correct word is a overlap. So for them to be to for them to be under Sikhs is any day better than the rigid Ziaul Haq kind of regime. So it makes sense to for them to say we rather would like to live under you guys. Right. Now here's a question that arises is when we talk about Sikhs, but generations generations particularly in Pakistan. When when we consider that the country is a democracy, yes. Yeah, sorry, I, I I just got cut off for a moment. So I was just going to say that they 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 would prefer being under Maharaj and Deep Singh's kind of regime any day. And in terms of what you so, said about Benazir Bhutto, in a way, two timing six, like selling the whole. Kharku movement. Now, this has been alleged by a number of people. In, as you have quoted Dr. Uh, Sardar Sangat Singh, who was an IS officer, he, his book is uh, quite famous. Even he mentioned it. So, obviously, there is no way to approve or disapprove it, but the fact that it has been mentioned by so many eminent Sikhs I tend to believe it. And the whole movement got used, isn't it? So sadly, we got killed uh, by both parties. Yeah. So basically, we became a fodder between India and Pakistan discontent. Mm. Now, Here's the interesting question which pops up from time to time. As we know, globally today, Islam has many problems with the world. I mean, open the news and many people say, well, this must be, you know, some sort of a right-wing trick. But then you visit these countries for yourself and you see the grand realities. You sort of realize there is some grain of truth. There is this fundamentalist interpretation of Islam. And uh, whether it's a grooming case, whether it's the French teacher beheading case, or whether it's the Boston, you know, marathon bombing, you see that a majority of the community, especially the youth from their community, come out in sport of such, you know, horrific atrocities, whether it's uh, publicly done or privately done. Now, here comes a question because, you know, there is this, uh, not a perception, there is this fact that after what happened in Delhi in 84, Congress won I believe over 79% of the national vote. So that was including the Christian vote, the Muslim vote, and obviously the Hindu vote. Everyone voted for them. Yeah. Now, 
they knew what had happened with the Sikhs and you pointed out how many politicians were quiet about, you know, what was going on with the Sikhs at the time. There was no reciprocal by each other. That said, when you consider what's happening in Pakistan today and Pakistan claims to be a democracy, why do you never see any uh, Muslim leader stand up and say what is happening with the minorities here is wrong or anyone from the population? Is this because they fear getting killed by this radical population? Is it because they're too scared to reform their belief? Or is it because they actually somehow spot what is going on? It's a very good question. And I, I mean, because I live in England, I'm born and brought up in Punjab, studied over there. So being living in England, I have a lot of Pakistani Muslim friends. A few years ago, probably in Peshawar, a Sunni Muslim youngster, Mashal Khan, if I am pronouncing his name correctly, was killed on the campus. So I had a, I had a doctor friend, local doctor friend, who's a Ahmadi Muslim. I asked him, I asked him, I said, Doctor Sab, uh, was that a? The guy was a Ahmadiya Muslim. He said no. He was just a good soul. So what had happened was he went into a discussion about the scripture, the Quran, and over a chat, which got viral <coughs> within the campus students. So the group of students went and killed him. So well, the next day, yeah, I mean, that's, that's literally what happened. The next day on the social media, everybody was saying so sad, so sad. And I was furious that why are you not criticizing the philosophy which allows or condones this kind of killing? And then one Pakistani friend called me in private and he said, he wrote to me, he said, I'm sorry, Indrajit, we are, we, we have to take care of our family we are I'm, I may think otherwise but I have four kids a family if I criticize those creatures the mullahs and the fundamentalist interpretation of Islam my life will be in danger I will be attacked and then the same thing almost on the similar lines Afghan friend from Jalalabad again again Muslim he said and he said, very sadly, he said, unfortunately, my people have become sheep. There are few wolves who are ruling us, bullying us, to towing the line. The rest of us have become sheep. So we can't, we have lost 40 years of war. We have lost the will to oppose those warlords. Because and so many of every one of us have lost somebody. So, so Afghanistan is a very exceptional case. But with Pakistan, when he told me this thing, then I came to know that how they, those people cannot oppose the fundamental ideology because those five or 10 or 15 percent of fundamentalists, they control the narrative, they control the 
government, the society norms. So the vast majority is happening. And, and that is, to some extent, you can say that is beginning to happen in India as well now. That what in India, it, they are using it as a reactive thing. They're using, and now the thing is, I don't know why Sikh needs to get involved in all these things. Because as you rightly said, even in these three figures, the few incidents we have mentioned now, the Peshawar killing, the killing uh, of the Sikh leaguers, uh youth, then the bombing of uh, the Gurdwara Sahib in Kabul, and inside 25 people were killed. All three incidents, I don't see any Christian or Muslim leader in India criticizing it. I haven't heard authentic. So coming back to the point of Paichara, Paichara, those people are not even Muslims out of Punjab are not even aware of the Paichara. Forget about the Paichara, Hona ni Hona. They are mm. not even aware of it. In Afghanistan, for them, everybody is Kafir. For those kind of people, everybody is Kafir. So Hindu and Sikh are same, as bad as, because if they have no sympathy for Shias in Pakistan, okay, let me tell you about Pakistan. Right. Sikhs are living in Nankana Saab, Lahore, Punjab Saab. So these three places, six have come from the frontier province. Right. Partially due to the fact that they wanted to look after Nankana Sahib and Punjab Sahib Gurdwara, but majority of them have migrated due to the insurgency or the rise of fundamentalism in frontier province. So these three cities don't have a problem of this kind which you they have in Peshawar. So I think again, it is very important to separate those things. But those people are not in a position, and I don't think even in Pakistan, if there was a paichara, why Sikhs were getting killed? Sikhs are killed because of target killing. They hate <laughs> Kafirs. And Sikhs stand out due to their parents. So this paichara, we have a paichara with the Malay Kotras Muslims because of the history. Also, we share the same language, the same culture. To, to that extent, we also have the same kind of paichara with the Punjabi Hindus. Yeah, some of them are also fundamentalists, but so, are, so will be some of us. But with Punjabi Hindus, every year when I go to Punjab, I see a lot of Hindu Sikh marriages happening. And there's no pattern, the girl, there's a Sikh girl or Sikh uh, boy marrying a Hindu girl or Hindu Muslim. So, uh, so both of them are getting married. There is some sort of, at intellectual level, there is a lot of, I would say there is a paichara with the, Hin, the Muslim, Punjabi Muslim intellectuals who want to promote Punjabi language. This look upon Punjabi culture, and the Sikh gurus as, if not a saints, as a great uh, Punjabi saints. So there is one, but for the local public, vast majority is non-existent. And that's why in Lahore, the, the statue of Maharaj Ji Singh has been 
broken three times and now they have given it to the fakir khana museum look after they have given to the uh, the maranji singh had three fakir brothers one the most famous was the fakir azizuddin so the descendants have in in a in a in a lahore they have a free fakir khana museum sayed saifuddin so what they have done is the they have given the statue of maharaja on the horse to them and they have put in the it in the sikh gallery so rather than being visible outside everybody it is now in the sikh gallery so if there was such a paichara the the thing is that sikh need to understand they are such a small minority they will be pulled everywhere every time the boardings the hoardings on in lahore number of hoardings uh, the archaeological notice board clearly state that maharaja ranjit singh they allege looted Mus- mughal monuments and used their marble to to make his own structure and some of them the pakistani we- uh, official website used to say when i say official that i think it's the pakistani punjab government website used to say that maharaja ranjit singh looted the marble from lahore mughal monuments and send it to darbar sahib those ignorant people don't know that the darbar sahib yes was raised to the ground by ms shahbadali by maharaja ranjit singh it has been fully built it was already fully built decades ago before maharaja ranjit singh came into the scene yes maharaja ranjit singh gold plated so governments will keep on using us because we get pulled in every direction we need to be smart we need to be smart to give issue based support and and do 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 the best for the community but we seem to be thinking world as a black and white that's the problem See you telling me about what that uh, Pakistani website says, and I fully agree. And you know their textbooks are full of that history that you know Sikhs are dirty, Sikhs are stinky, Sikhs are vermin, Sikhs are animal. You see it on their TV shows as well. They're streaming it live. Their governments are allowing that to happen. Their people are voting in those governments. You can clearly see that Nankana Sahib for them is just a tourist bait to get more money into the country. They're not really concerned about Sikhs. I mean, for them, it might as well be a Hindu temple. They don't care. But see, what is so particularly biting is our people. Now, whether this happened or not is another matter altogether. Our people, our historians, Pracharics, will say that when Murarji Desai visited Darbar Sahib, he said, "Take off the golden doors of the Darbar Sahib and send them to Somnath Mandir because Ranjit Singh got them from there." Yeah, but they can't see what the Pakistani government is doing, and that's something I've seen. Is it? I won't name any names, but it's reached such a point that there is one prominent individual who's claiming two things: one. that only a minority is doing what it's doing in pakistan and the majority are helping sikhs but india indian media is playing it up if you disagree with them you instantly become an agent and the second thing he's claiming is that no uh, muslim mobs killed sikhs in 1947 it was all done by hindus disguised as muslims <laughs> <laughs> oh this is take this this is taking the mick of the whole situation okay we should not live in the past okay 
coming back to <coughs> what is my interpretation the pakistan government has in the past 15 or 20 years tried very hard to project a liberal pakistani image throughout the world and they want to undo if not all some of the things done after zia as well so in that scenario nankana sahib and gurdwaras were rebuilt and to be fair amarjit yes we can say there was a angle of tourism but the fact is that sikhs are not in the, such a huge number that suddenly they will become very prosperous out of tourism so there was there were a mixture of mixture of many reasons there is a on the internet there is a official pakistan document which says we that we should uh, it is about 10 15 years old uh, probably more than 15 years old uh, which talks about the same thing how to promote sikh tourism in the country and so that is one angle second angle is a liberal view third is yes there is there is a element within the punjabi muslim as well who ref who do think guru nanak as a sanja peer and they call them very affectionately as baba guru nanak so the, so it's a, but i think what we need to understand is communities of 100 six about 25 million muslims are 101 billion you you can't have a paichara between such a large communities but also that that yes you can you can have goodwill and other things if i okay like let me give an example there are 50 muslim countries in the world and mm. about all the 50 muslim countries there are 10 arab muslim countries on the kashmir issue how many countries support pakistan sometimes turkey sometimes uh malaysia recently i'm talking about more recent in last 3 4 years <coughs> the malaysian prime minister who made all those comments has been replaced the new one is quiet turkey has supported few times because the, their prime minister wants to have the caliph like influence and also and to be fair on him uh turkey is the only country which has spoken about the chinese atrocities towards the turkish muslims in xinjiang province so out of 50 countries 50 muslim countries one or two support pakistan and kashmir and except turkey not a single country supports turkey in condemning the china in condemning china against their persecution of the muslims in xinjiang so this all concept of paichara falls flat there's no paichara among themselves and to be fair we can also be criticized if there's such a paichara 
why is the so-called lower casteic when there is no caste and Sikh religion? Why they are going hordes and who's going to uh, to become Christians in Punjab? So we can also be criticized as well. But I think we need to appreciate and understand there is no such thing as paichara. No, definitely not. And that's what we have been trying to tell our people here. There is no such thing as paichara. I mean, look, uh, if they say that under Maharaja Ranjit Singh there was paichara, so now this is something which is quite uh, amazing because um, if you read the works of modern Western historians, now you have Robert Kaplan and you have many others, um, you know, those who have actually left the military now, for example, Stanley McChrystal, and there are countless others we can give examples of, uh, Robert Green. They talk in terms of communities sporting atrocities or sporting justice or sporting retribution. Now, in regards to Paichara, there is this rosy picture uh, conveyed by, you know, followers of, you know, Sikh missionaries, Sikh Sampradas, particularly anyone who wants to push this delusional logic of let's be selfless. Now, What's so funny about this Pajara is they claim that one, under Baba Banda Singh, there were no religious conflicts. Under Nwab Kapoor Singh, there were no religious conflicts. Sikhs have never attacked Mleir Kotla. There was somebody called Sahim Miyamir who laid the foundation stone of their Bar Sahib, except there is no source for this. And that under Maharaja Rajit Singh, everyone enjoyed, you know, whatever life he gave them. Now, the issue we are having here is if you look at Baba Banda Singh, you know, with Dr. Balban Singh Tillo's episode, many people felt uh, angered at what was said. But one thing is, Banda Singh forbade caste, which is one of the cornerstones of Hinduism, and Sharia, which is one of the cornerstones of Islam, on the pain of death. If you practice those, you got killed, right? So, Baba Banda Singh never had that Paichara sentiment, which they do today, to... Uh, you know, allow those aspects of a religion, even if they were the more, uh, you know, primary aspects of the religion, without which the religion couldn't exist, uh, to, you know, continue under his reign because they were discriminatory. He found them discriminatory and Sikhs found those odious as well. Under Nwab Kapoor Singh, you have the same. I mean, they were killing people who practiced caste and who practiced Sharia. Uh, I believe Jathedar Jassa Singhalawalia even sacked Mleir Kotla and burnt it to the ground a majority of it for what they did during the Vadakalukara, how they raped Sikh women and how they killed Sikh children. And then Maharaja Ranjit Singh, well, you know, this is where the Paichara myth falls flat. If they say that there were X number of, you know, non-Sikhs and, you know, prominent positions in the kingdom, well, the most important position in that kingdom was the military. And the top-ranked officers in the military were Sikhs. So that Paichara mythos really does fall flat. I mean, you have given a very valid examples in the past. We, uh, I have given a more recent examples in the past that the Paichara doesn't exist. The thing is that any ruler from a minority community like Maharaji Singh or even any ruler with significant, very significant minority will find it difficult to tolerate a fundamentalist interpretation of any religion, which <coughs> says there's no place for those people, like we had Daesh and ISIS. And there were elements, even in those times, Daesh and Oh, Let me give you a quick example. Mm-hmm. While I was searching on Mara, uh, 
after Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib's Shahadat, uh, martyrdom, I came across a number of references where Aurangzeb had killed, not persecuted, killed number of Shia Sufi, Shia and Sufi saints. So Sufi could can be, most of the Sufis were not Shias, they were in fact Sunnis. So number of liberal and Shia Muslims were killed during his reign. So I named about 25 of them. And obviously on the Facebook, it was dubbed as I'm a Hindu agenda, BJP agenda. But then I asked a, a prominent Muslim lecturer in India who happened to be Shia. And he, he's seen it to me by age and obviously by rank as well. So, and he said, yes, that's true. And this is a private discussion and said, I said, but no Muslim speaks about it. No Shia speaks about it. And he said the right one writing. He said, Aurangzeb is used to demonize and beat Muslims in India. I had some sympathy for what he said. But I said, why can't you guys say that he persecuted uh, Shia and non-Muslim, uh, sorry, Sufi Muslims as well? that he killed them as well. And he didn't answer. The problem is that just like we Sikhs sometimes stop because of Paichara. So within their own community, they have this concept of Paichara. They're not speaking about it. So although their own community has been persecuted so long, and, I, and he, he, he has time for me because he knows that I will speak on based on facts. So I, do, I don't have a lecture to fight. I don't have uh, a lot of Shia or Sunni or Sikh or Punjabi Muslim votes to gather. So I will say what is in history. But I think we need to understand that complexities that there is no such thing as Paichara. Yes, Paichara can be with Malay Kotra Muslim, but rest of it, there is no Paichara. Because they don't know about the Paichara. It's only in the mind of the Sikhs. They're not aware of the Paichara. At least make them aware that there's a Paichara. Then, and then ask them, do they believe in Paichara? But I think one of the things you have to look at down here, and this is something which Kaplan does say in his book, um, Pagan Ethics, something like that. I'll, get, I'll remember the name of the book soon enough. Uh, See, the whole thing which really comes down to is on the outside to us what looks like Paichara. At the back, it's enforced by, you know, tough, grim men and women ready to kill for their common bunt, right? Um, under Banda Singh, if there was Paichara, they knew it was on the pain of death, right? We have the uh, example of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, right? There was, a, I believe, a Punjabi Brahmin who, after Ranjit Singh died, started instigating the people against, you know, the Darbar, and people started fighting among themselves. And I believe that Gulab Singh Dogra's family was involved in this as well. And that most of his nieces and nephews who actually followed this Brahmin were hunted down by the Nehangs. And then I believe Sham Singh Atari's regiment stormed Lahore and killed this uh, Brahmin. And, you know, they just killed everyone who was involved and hung them up from the gates of Lahore. And if I remember correctly, this is an Alexander Gardner's biography. 
And he says how suddenly everyone in Lahore just cleared out. Everyone ran into their homes that the Sangaga is Sangaga, the Sangs are angry, the Sangs are angry. There was this fear of Sikhs that, you know, there might be a very, uh, you know, calm and, you know, powerful, but when it push comes to shove, they go straight for the kill. So there was this policy. So for our people to ignore that policy and, you know, claim by Jara, it really does not, you know, make sense. Like, one thing I've seen today is that most of this diasporic lot sitting overseas, they have such venom for Hindus. But when you have an equal amount of atrocities done on Sikhs today by Muslims, either it's claimed that these are agencies, either it's claimed we are agents for pointing them out, or either it's claimed they don't exist. Why this blindness? Like, <laughs> why are they jumping? Can't they see they're jumping straight from the frying pan into the flames? Yeah. The thing is that, Amarjit, you have read history quite in depth. I have also right. read because it's a passion. It's a passion, isn't it? So it comes naturally to us. And we, when we read so many multiple sources, then you start realizing, oh, this is the reality or this was the reality. Coming back to the point about Maharaj Singh. Maharaj Singh, I will share this with you. Maharaj Singh was considered as a, among Punjabis as their leader because seven to eight Muslims and two Hindus invited Maharaja when he was the ruler of Amritsar to come and get rid of the Pangi Sardars who were useless, worthless. So he, he was invited and they opened the gates because in the wall city, old wall city, they used to be gates. So and the artillery, Maharaja Ranjit Singh's father, Maha Singh's artillery was under Shia Muslim, the Muslims. So they continued to be the main part in the artillery. Except in the Battle of Atak, in the Battle of Atak, when you had, there was one incident where the the Muslim uh, person who was heading the artillery, he refused to um, fire at the Afghans. So this was one of the first battles Sikhs had with Afghans. And that happened to be the only incident where Muslims, a Muslim refused to and I think what happened was, if I, I can't remember the name, was it, uh, do you remember the name of the Maharaja's uh, Muslim chiefs, or Muslim military commanders who were looking after artillery? So, uh, I'll try so looking. Okay. <laughs> so, what, what, so what I was trying to make a point was, that was one incident, but Maharaja out of respect, because this was a person elder to his age, had served the Maharaja's father as well, he didn't punish him and he later died. That was the only incident where the Muslims, a Muslim, not Muslims, a Muslim uh, went against the word, okay. Basically, the old man fell in for the brotherhood, paichara thing. 
but except for that particular incident <coughs> there was no rebellion from the artillery which was majority with the muslims yes you are right the majority of the military posts were with the khalsas i remember in i remember once a facebook post was made about and the person was trying person was was a, a dogra hindu and he wanted to put that it the whole tussle it has been with the hindus and muslim hindus and sikhs between hindus and sikhs that during maharaja so when i reminded him that hira singh dogra the nephew of gulab singh dogra basically attacked and during that attack one of the brothers of uh, gulab singh dogra basically the uncle of his uncle was killed as well he kept quiet so basically uncle nephew went to a war and uncle died this is dogras and hira singh dogra also had a very difficult relationship with gulab singh dogra and the dogras in fact were the ones who uh, divan kripa ram who was one of one from a very prominent uh, hindu family working for the maharaja he got him arrested so dogras also managed to get rid of the divan samanmal and mungraj family away so it was a tussle to get to the throne so yes there will be people who will try to make it the hindu sikh or hindu muslim thing but <coughs> quickly i will give you an example dost mohammad khan who was the ruler of afghanistan he had many battles with maharaj singh many battles and some of them were completely unnecessary but those were the times pathans would if they are not battling with outsiders they are battling among themselves those were the times your readers and the pashtun themselves pathans do not know that my when mahara uh, dost mohammad khan was arrested by the british he was sent to dehradun and when the puppet king shah shuja was killed basically british uh reconciled with dost mohammad khan and when he, the dost mohammad khan <coughs> went from dehradun to kabul by road he passed through lahore at that time maharaja sher singh the son of maharaja ranjit singh was the ruler he gave him a huge welcome because by this time both dost mohammad khan and maharaja sher singh had realized that british are playing them both of them and they are the more danger they are the more uh they are the main enemy rather than themselves those two so the next two years dost mohammad khan till punjab was the next from almost like 18 you can say 1842 43 onwards till 1849 punjab and afghanistan were allies but then so can we then, say there was a alliance of necessity rather than a alliance yes. of fighter 
No, no, that was alliance of necessity rather than paichara. Exactly. That were, they were politicians. They realized that it was a necessity to be together or else the British will try to put us against each other. So what I'm trying to say that we need to be, if Maharaja Sher Singh and those Muhammad Khan can be politically wise, we need to be politically wise. Paichara is superficial. First of all, I think all those people who believe in Paichara should, they have never spoken to people. Okay, in Kashmir, <coughs> speak to Kashmiri Sikhs. Some of the fundamentalist element among the Kashmiri Muslims, they have special names for sick youth, they bully them. They call them lices. All the time they have a special bully names for them. So why is that? If you speak, there is about 20% population of UP is Muslim. They And there's a quite a big population, reasonably big population of Sikhs, not to that extent in Western UP. There's no paichara over there. They're not, in fact, Neither are you, uh, Sikhs in UP nor the Muslims in UP are aware of this paichara. So this paichara seems to exist in the minds of people on Facebook and Instagram, it seems, or Twitter. It's interesting because Rajmohan Gandhi actually made a point in his book on the history of Punjab. And, you know, Rajmohan Gandhi is actually hated by many Sikhs because he is the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. These same people will argue that we need to forgive the descendants of Aurangzeb for what's happened. I believe a few years ago, these idiots were trying to collect money from the Punjab to send to that lady who lives in a slum in Calcutta, who's his descendant. And um, it's, you know, the crass stupidity which you realize when you live in the West, you realize how stupid they can be on our side of the Punjab. It's, look, this, Sikhs fight against tyrannical governments and not people. But if the ideology of the people stems, if the ideology of the government stems from a religion believed in by the people, which says that, you know, uh, if you don't believe in the same thing, you should be killed because disbelief is the worst form of oppression. Well, then it necessarily becomes a fight against just about everyone who opposes you. If you read the accounts of Ratan Singh Pangu, whose forefathers actually fought alongside Baba Banda Singh, just about a majority of Punjabi Muslims were opposed to Khalsa Raj. And that's why many peasants ended up massacring them. There were massive genocides on both sides. And you see all this. And Raj Mohan Gandhi makes this valid point. Nwab Kapoor Singh and all the Muslim Sardars used to play this thing up. You guys believe in a religion from Arabia, right? You believe in the religion of your uh, forefathers' killers. Why don't you talk Punjabi? Why don't you believe in the Punjabiyat of this land? And many Muslims started converting to Sikhi or, you know, sporting the Dal Khalsa at least. But what we have here with the Paichara Brigade, I actually want to tell you a story. So one day we were invited to this online platform to discuss the grooming gang situation in the UK, right? Yeah. And we had an individual... I'm not going to name him. I mean, it's the name is on my tongue. I've actually written that name down. This individual is apparently involved with the law enforcement in the UK. And then I asked around about him and they said as if he was only a pen pushing clerk. The same individual had some similar position at the United Nations office of the United Kingdom. 
He told me that it's the religious duty of Sikhs to collect money from the Golak and take it to the mosques to rehabilitate Muslim men indulging in group. Indulging in, sorry? Indulging in the grooming. So all the groomers, we should be uh, helping them when they get released from jails to not be groomers. I'm lost. And I don't know what to say. Th this, yeah, this is a man who continually talks to young children on this platform and grooms them towards this liberal ideology, which makes no sense whatsoever. But then let's go further. This is something I've always wanted to ask. Right. So I don't know how this by Jarrah bug, you know, came among your people. But then, you know, on this podcast, we have many Hindus listening to us as well. You know, educated people who want to become Sikhs or who don't want to become Sikhs, but just have an interest in Sikh history. They see things from our perspective. Everyone asks the same thing. You know, personally speaking, I'm from Delhi. I will confirm this as well. When the pogrom started after, you know, Indira Gandhi died, there was one cry in the air, Hindu, Muslim, bhai, bhai, sardaro ki karo safai. Why is it that all these years later, the victims from the Lokpuri are actually standing by these statements, but all these other Sikh intellectuals are deleting some of these lines to say only the Hindu was evil? Why is it that, like, you know, let's get this straight. Aurangzeb had a fight with the Gurus, right? He had a personal grudge against the Gurus. He hated the Gurus. Why then is it being said that the Pahari Rajas instigated Aurangzeb against uh, Guru Gobind Singh, otherwise they both had a good relationship. Why are we rewriting our own history for, you know, this Pai which is never reciprocated, which does not even exist? I mean, I'm sure even Vaheguru does not want us to be the idiots that allow the whole world to just push us over and walk over us. <laughs> I once challenged somebody. I said to him that with time, Every 50 years, our interpretation of our history seems to change. And I say, our is a human race. Some would say 50 years, some would say 50 to 70 years. But I would say on average 50 years, our interpretation changes. And he said, no, 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 it's not like that. I said, okay. If 1984 had not happened, and if Nehru had stick to his word and given a separate place for Sikhs, or if he had declared Punjabi as a state language in 1950s and without any education, do you think you would have the same kind of anti-India or anti-Hindu narrative going on that strong? You kept quiet. Similarly, if you you have rightly said in Ratu Singh Pangu's, if you read Ratu Singh Pangu's writing slowly and clearly the enemy is the Turk. Mm. Turk can be Muslim or Turk can be the ruling Muslim elite. If the philosophy says there is no place, if, if the philosophy says that the non-Muslim is a second-class citizen, most of us will oppose that. And Daesh take us to another step, another level, that there is no there is no place for non-Muslims. In a modern democratic society, all communities have to learn to live together. There is no there is but if and I think some communities are better in doing that, some are finding it very difficult to do that. 
if I can give a quick small example, in America and in to some extent in England, there has been studies going on that 50% of the prison population is coming from <coughs> from broken homes, where in fact homes sing, run by single mother. So men or boys raised by a single mother, 50% of them. And although in England, I think three or four percent is the population, the black population, is the black African or Caribbean population, 15% of them are from the black community. In America, it's 15 and 50% 50 of the community is from the black community. And when you scratch the surface, about 75% of Muslim, sorry, not Muslim, black women are single mothers. So you are into this perpetual circle of father is missing, no marriage, single motherhood, going to prison, then again messed up life, then that person has father's children, but he's in the prison, then single mother again, you are, and there is no getting out. So rather than discussing these kind of things, what do most black community leaders do on the social media? Black life matters. It does matter. But they talk about racism all the time. So one fourth of the all black men are married to a white woman in England. But they will talk about racism. They will not talk about two things. So sometimes we don't want to talk about painful truths. Painful, bitter truths. We don't talk about it. So we will talk about things which is more populistic, which is more. So it. So as we would say, they have agenda. So it seems like we we ignore the suffering of Sikhs in Afghanistan frontier. I, I don't want to say that we should use them as excuse to beat the Muslims. No, not at all. But why are we ignoring that? Then even Sikhs, 15-year-old boy was killed, and it was not even raised on the social media forum. Uh, I would like to, uh, I'd like to say something here. That killing and the way they were trying to pin it on Hindus was the most shameful thing I ever saw on Twitter. <laughs> I lost a lot of respect for a lot of prominent Sikh online prejudice that day. I personally lost a lot of respect. And I'd like to tell you something. We actually have listeners from the black community, and they will be listening to this. And one of them actually has a clothes retail store in New York. Yeah. <laughs> that store was ransacked during a riot. Yeah. The ransackers were black. The store owner is black. The policeman investigating is black. And yes. it's been almost, I suppose, three, four years since George Floyd died around that time. The... The policemen, the owner, they're going to the insurance companies every week asking for justice. Insurance companies aren't listening. The payout is heavy and they don't care about a small shop. So then he went to the Black Lives Matter people and they kicked him out straight away. And now he's going on national media to say he's black and Black Lives Matter don't support black people. His life doesn't matter. 
They instead told him, you're a capitalist, you're leeching off innocent brothers and sisters. And you see the same sort of a stereotype coming here as well. It doesn't matter to us. We need our fight. It's so sad. It's so sad. And, I, I, and through your forum, and the, the reason of this discussion today is to, to make those people wise. But okay, let me tell you from personal experience. I think right. the people in India, the Sikhs in India, although may, they may not say out in public, they are aware of the fact that they get pulled by both these Paichara people and the Hindutva people and to some extent other minorities as well. So they are being used as fodder. They do know that. Somehow the diaspora Sikhs are, have become so... It makes a blind, I would say. And I don't think they will change their views. But at least if some of them are able to change their views. And I'm not saying we need to we need to align with anybody. Just give issue-based support for the betterment of our community. But I mean, if you look at the issue-based support, like one of the things which actually drive a wedge between us and a lot of the people who used to listen to us from a certain age demographic, and I'm not picking on anyone, but... Um, one of the listeners put it, it actually drove a wedge between you and a particular individual with weight problems, but the comedy relief aside, we had like something like the, you know, CAA come in. We had so many other schemes come in. And then you look at the history, there are so many other schemes proposed by various governments that when they come together, what happens is that our Sikhs just shoot them down straight away because they don't comply to another community. Well, hang on, that community has multiple countries outside India. You know, Christians have so many countries outside India. Muslims have so many countries outside India. So why suddenly, all of a sudden, when someone brings in a scheme which might be good for Sikhs, rather than saying, okay, look, this is how you can improve it for Sikhs, you suddenly start going on a riot, you suddenly start going on protests, and then suddenly when the government says, okay, you know what, you guys are going to be ungrateful, we don't want to destroy our image, here, we will take it off the table. This time now we want Khalistan because the government isn't listening to us. It's almost like you give them something, they want, they will complain, but it's also that if you don't give them something they want, they will also complain. So what is someone supposed to do in that? Hmm. In terms of I... <laughs> We, we need to be a little bit more careful in like CAA clearly helped the Afghan Sikhs. So there is, and the Sikhs in if any Sikh from Afghanistan, because I do know some of the Sikhs from the frontier have come to in the last 10, 15 years, they have come to India. So these, the CAA <coughs> will support those people. Yes, the the governments always have their agenda, always have their vote bank. They will make those laws which help them in getting their votes. But I think we need to be a little bit more smarter and say, okay, they are doing it for votes. Is it helping us or not? And it helped us. But somehow, some of us ignored that bit, uh, that it, it was going to help us. I mean, they, 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 those guys need to speak to Sikhs, how they lived in Afghanistan or how, I mean, they, we don't even speak to the Sikhs in Kashmir, Jammu Kashmir, how they're living over there. 
we because because what's interesting down here is that if you see the typical perception down here is that okay look we spotted them in the CAA NRC but they threw us under the bus during the hijab issue straight away their leadership at least yeah. so by Jarari paid back can we say that at the end of the day because are we both of us are not in india but the i think a lot of sikhs felt a little bit betrayed and and that due to that reason the i think the paichara has mellowed down a bit in quite a bit in at least in the minds of some of the sikhs in india i can say but outside they the you see some of us some families have really lost people their loved ones during the militancy era for them to forgive and forget is very difficult to move on some have basically throughout the years have embedded hatred to such an extent they can't see anything else and they aren't being smart they're not being smart in in the present era we will be pulled again and again and 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 i think what is important if i can sum it up is important is that the the modern democracy allows you to demand gives you the right of self determination to demand anything and a separate nation a separate country but the same democratic countries also expect you to have the public on your side so the basically if you look at how in scotland and in in uh, quebec in canada those parties won a majority in their provinces or in their state <laughs> and they forwarded a bill in 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 the uh, in their assembly that we would like a a vote on the separate nation in punjab the only party which talks about these thing is sardar simranjit singh mam who won recently after 20 years but again his party lost the deposit in the jalandhar lok sabha <laughs> you should have five mlas in punjab assembly and let them speak but we don't seem to get even one mla you understand so the whole so sometimes it seems to me that even it suits some some in indian government to exaggerate the khalistan threat threat the khalistani people also are happy with this thing despite not having any support on the ground in the, at least in terms of the legislative numbers that at least so oh, we are powerful we are getting somewhere and in 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 the middle the sikh community in punjab is getting squeezed so nobody wants to live in punjab everyone wants to want to go abroad so this is a huge contradiction you want to have a khalistan instead of punjab and but not a single sikh youth wants to live in punjab and then you have people from other states coming up and taking the jobs so whoever will study who will give the, the competitive exams will come into the bureaucracy they will come into uh the important posts so we we seem to have lost it and on top of it you're talking khalistan 80% of the sikh youth in punjab 
Apatit. The further you are aware, away from Punjab, the more likely a Sikh is going to be Sabha Surat. Isn't that a contradiction? And the further, and those Sabha Surat Sikhs who are further away from Punjab are far less likely to be Khalistani. No, definitely. You've got a point down there because here's the first thing. If there is demographic change happening and they say it's due to political pressures, well, your Chara is doing even more demographic changes. I mean, we all know that Gujars since a long time have a slavery problem, right? They enslave people. And when you build mosques for them, you build deras for them, you're providing them the infrastructure to carry out <laughs> you know, slavery operations in the first place. But, I mean, to me, it seems that the interpretation of Sikhi in the Punjab is 90% of the time it's Paichara and 10% of the time you put up a picture of Santaji and talk about Khalistan and that's it. You go home and Jira Marda Marjauga Tuzibas Bar Pajardi Karo. That's pretty much it. Let's go abroad. Why Guru Satnam? End of story. Take over a Gurdwara, become a committee Pardan for the next 50 years, and then, you know what? <laughs> Destroy all the young children's dreams. And afterwards, when you're about to die and then people are abusing you, just, hey, you, you know, say to yourself, hey, I was a Gurdwara Pardan. That's my ticket to such kind of. Why Guru Satnam? Chalo Chakokam. Will that be a ticket to the Sachkhand? Just be a Gurdwara Pradhan? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the thing is that most people, the reality of the situation, most people are busy in their day-to-day -day life. We in West are a little bit more privileged if we are not a first-generation migrant. We are more privileged that we have time. We have certain... We don't have to worry about food in our uh, on the table. We have a shelter, so we have the basic necessities. So, so we are in a in that privileged position, and some of us are using that position to 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 basically uh, force our agenda, and that's happening with all communities, with Muslims as well, with the Hindus as well, but. As you rightly pointed out, those communities have a number of nations. We don't have a nation. We don't have community. We need to self-preservation comes first. Charity should begin at home. Stop trying to be... There's, there was a, there's a very famous uh, person in Pakistan who talks about Pakistan politics. He said Pakistani likes to think that they are the flag bearers of the uh, Islamic world, 50 Islamic countries, but say the Arabs don't treat us equally. Then go in Dubai or in any Arab countries, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis are treated as second class citizens, and Indians and Kafirs are third class. But he said this on the same vein the, the white skinned Gore are treated as first class, better than Pakistani, Bangladeshi Muslims or Indian Muslims. They're quite a big Carolite Muslims and uh, working in. Middle East. So we need to be, we can't compare ourselves with Islam, the Muslims or Hindus, or even to some extent Buddhists as well. But all those religions have countries. We need to preserve our own religion, culture, heritage, and philosophy. And we need to make, uh, we need to give issue based support. There's no, Paichara doesn't exist on, it doesn't exist. Uh, it exists only in in the mind on the paper. 
it's not on the ground reality and the sooner we realize that the much better it will be for us as a comment upon yes i agree totally with you right so we can do the best we can um thank you for joining us we look forward to you joining us over and over again in the future yeah thank you very much for having me amarjeet it's always a pleasure talking to you and i hope yep. youths like you come forward and i through your medium i would say encourage youths that i being amateur i'm although i've written book i've written journal articles i'm still considered amateur uh historian so what we need from the young generation like you and others is somebody who does phd in history and then becomes a lecturer in one of the universities in abroad and then so that our intellectual voice is heard across the intellectuals in the world and i think that is big missing at the moment yeah i think the biggest thing out of this episode will be that both of us will be declared agents <laughs> Hello. 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 Well, hello. Uh well, sir, thank you for uh joining us for that. That was quite enlightening. I mean, I think a lot of people would have learned quite a new set of facts about Bajara at least. Hopefully, and they don't indulge in it anymore. <laughs> I I think that is the is a humble try from both of us to educate our listeners about some of the facts and how we see things and rest would be for them to make their own interpretation yeah thank you very much for that sir wai guruji ka khalsa wai guruji ki fateh until next time until next time yeah thank you <laughs>